So this probably happened to you also sometime in your 20s or 30s. You got a real job. Okay, not all of you because some of you are not 20 yet, but you will get a real job. And what a real job means is is it's a long day. You have to be at work by 8 o'clock, and it doesn't end till 5 o'clock. And that's a much different pace than high school and college. Uh, And so it just is a long, long day. So then after work, I remember this happening to me, Uh, you know, an errand on the way home from work, traffic, all that. I got back to my apartment six-ish, okay? Then I had to fix dinner and and clean and do some things like that. Next thing I know is 7.45-ish. And then, you know, there's general sanitary cleaning in your house and, you know, sorting through mail and um, calling grandma back. I guess now we would text grandma, but back then we called grandma back. And the next thing I knew, it's 10 o'clock, you watch a TV show, and you kind of drift off to sleep. So that's not a bad day, but here's the part that really bothered me. Repeat. I did the exact same thing the next day and the next and the next and until the weekend. But then you started again on Monday. And I remember an older coworker telling me, he said, Aaron, what you're going through, because I was bummed about this. I was like, man, this is just not working for me. And my coworker said, Aaron, this is called a pre-midlife crisis. <laughs> now, now, the term that's come up today, the term wasn't around when I started working, but adulting. Have you heard this term? The, the whole idea of adulting, like you have to be responsible and pay bills and you have to keep this adult schedule and you can't just, you know, sleep in and play video games or watch Netflix through the night. You have to do responsible things. So, so there's, there's this sense of, uh, of, man, okay, restlessness. Like in your 20s and 30s, you start thinking, okay, this is what being grown-up's about. Then you really move into middle age, like your 40s and 50s. And there's this kind of sense of arrival, sense of arrival. Hopefully, you won't go through a midlife crisis. My midlife crisis was getting my doctorate, which I really didn't need to get it. I mean, you guys didn't care. I was still going to be your pastor anyway, but I gave four years and and worked really hard and spent a lot of time and money, and things really haven't changed, you know? So hopefully that was my midlife crisis, and I'm done. I'm ready to pastor again. But there's nothing like a little self-confession, right, in front of a couple hundred people. But you arrive in your 40s and 50s, and there, there, there's a sense of arrival, like, oh, this is, this is where I'm going to live because I need to pay off my house, or this is my career, or this is the way the child turned out, or, um, which in my case is wonderful, all, all three ways. And I haven't arrived yet. I mean, they're still developing. You know, kids are still developing, uh, growing in this. But, but there's this sense of, like, I'm, I'm here, and, and you begin to think about the, the way life's going to end, and there's some restlessness there. Okay, so I, I want to talk to you about the restlessness that we have. You've had a night of insomnia before where you really need to sleep, but you toss and you turn all night, and, and when that starts happening, nothing appeals to you. You don't want to watch TV. You, you don't really want to read. You don't want to listen to music. Just nothing is appealing to you. It's just the night's really long. This is a metaphor to where I think a lot of you may be today because it's a place I've been at different times in my life. Just, just restless in my spirit, restless in my heart. 
just wondering, am I stuck? Um, is, is this the way things are always going to be? And what is that? And where is that? And where does that come from? Well, all I can do is to point to you to Scripture today. The Scripture Jennifer read to us talks very plain because today's Scripture is telling us this. And if you're taking notes, write this down. You can fill in the blanks. Rest and trust in God. And when we're restless, we, we need proper rest. And you can't rest in God if you don't trust in God. This is not the most remarkable point. Like maybe you're thinking, wow, this isn't really deep. What's the, the Hebrew text for this? It, it's not. It's a simple point, but it's, it's not simple to live. Because God's called his people to be content and to be satisfied in him. But we're carrying around this sense of dissatisfaction so often that we can't enjoy the blessings God's already given us. Or we can't walk into the contentment the Lord has. So let's read again what the scripture says in verse 5. Rest in God alone, my soul. For my hope comes from him. Rest in God alone, my soul. For my hope comes from him. Let me just talk to you about this for a second. Rest in God alone. Don't rest in your spouse. Don't rest in your desire for a spouse in the future. Don't rest in your career. Don't rest in your ministry identity. Don't, rest, don't even rest in your spiritual gifts. Rest in God alone, my soul. Let your soul be centered in that rest in God. Because my hope comes from Him. My hope doesn't come doesn't come from earthly things. If we're putting our hope in earthly things, we are guaranteed 100% to be disappointed. You will be disappointed with earthly leaders. You will be disappointed with entertainment choices. You will be disappointed if you put nationalism before spirituality and if you love your country more than you love your God, you will be disappointed in your country. That's why so many people are just so like disenchanted with our country now because they put more hope in politics than they have in God. Rest in God alone. My soul, for my hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God. My strong rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before Him. God is our refuge. The, the Scripture says trust in Him in all times, in all situations. I don't know what situation you're in right now, but I know God's calling you to trust Him in that situation. Because He says trust in Him in all times. Not convenient times, not preferable times. Don't, don't just trust in Him when, when things are going the way you want them to. And, and especially put your trust in God when He's prospering and blessing you in unusual ways because that's when we're vulnerable to the enemy's attack. It's amazing to me how many men and women can't handle the blessing of God. The reason you don't get the blessing of God because the blessing of God would pollute your spirit. God would love to give you more influence, more resources, more authority, but... He knows you don't have the character to hold it yet. You don't. He loves you too much to bless you with material or earthly power. I can't say he loves you too much to bless you because he's blessed you beyond all measure through salvation. 
So I can't say that. That would be a lie. But the earthly blessings that we crave for and lust for, that he won't give those to us if it'll ruin us. I remember I had a really close friend of mine, and he was fun, funny. Everybody liked being around him. And everybody wanted him to succeed, but he was just a jokester. He's joking all the time. And, and one of my pastors, I said, what about putting, we'll come up with a, mis, a mythical name, just in case that person happened to listen to my podcast. What about putting Johnny in that position? I remember my pastor saying, you know, I love Johnny and everybody loves Johnny, but he's the type of guy, if you give him authority, it'll ruin him. So it's a, it's, a, it's a severe mercy, really, right? The Lord's merciful to us by not positioning us to where we're going to fail. So trust in the Lord at all times. Here's one of the ironies of life, and I, I want to be delicate about this. Really, I do. Because I, I was thinking through this and praying this, and I said, I have a real, I'm, this is a vulnerable time for me to be sarcastic and hurt people's feelings and offend people. And I've asked the Lord to put a guard over my mouth. You're interested now, aren't you? But here is an irony of life. As we age more, we worry more. And, and the reason I'm being sensitive is because I'm getting older. So I don't want to be judgmental because I don't know what it's like to, to, to be older. And, and, may, and, and I don't understand some of those things. But, but, but I, I want to say this. It's like, let's talk about the weather. Most, really, most senior citizens don't get out frequently but they worry so much about the weather that they can't even enjoy the day because there's potential weather 10 days from now. Now, now I'm trying to say, and you can tell, I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm, I'm just thinking through things. Also, I've noticed that senior citizens get really, really upset about politics. But most of the decisions that will have negative ramifications decades from now, they won't be around. It's the younger people who don't care about politics who will actually be affected by the decisions that are being made today. Do you see the irony of what I'm talking about? So we're getting all worried about the weather when we don't have jobs to go to and we have the ability to stay at home. And then we're all worried about public policy decisions when we're going to be in heaven in the presence of God, not worrying about it. So you understand now, I'm not trying to, again, be snarky here. I'm, 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 I'm trying to bring up a point is that the older we get, we worry more. Now, I believe the reason why is because we know, we understand maturity means we understand um, how how bad things can go. Things can go bad. We, we understand the consequences of poor decisions. But as we age, I want to call myself and all of us to trust more. Not worry more, but to trust more. Let's just trust God more. Let's just, let's just put it in his hands. Put it in his hands. Put Congress and health care and the national debt in God's hands and go watch Andy Griffith. Mayberry's been the same for 70 years. Okay. And, and when it comes to the weather, make provisions in this and all that. But then let's just, let's just have this self-imposed Sabbath from the Lord as snow and rain comes in. And just enjoy a different pace. Trust in the Lord at all times. All times. Jonah was someone who didn't trust God. He did not trust God. He did not trust God's plan for his life. And, and if you don't know the story of Jonah, because of that, he was swallowed by a big fish, and he was in that fish, and the fish spit him up. And, and that's the story we know. But here's the rest of the story. God came to Jonah a second time. He came a second time. 
Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. When the, Lord, when the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And this is what God said. He actually said the same thing. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now, Nineveh was an extremely large city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. The men of Nineveh believed in God. So Nineveh was not destroyed. Here's what I want you to see. There's a lot to see in the story of Jonah. But here's what I want you to see today is I want you to see the second call. Go back to verse 1 there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God's grace is not just for salvation. God's grace is also for the unfolding of his will in your life. And if the call of God came the first time and you squandered that call and you ran from that call and you ignored that call and maybe you've been in the belly of a fish for a while and you've been thrown up yourself. Grace says this, the word of the Lord comes the second time. The word of the Lord comes a second time. And, and I would know, knowing the heart of God, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you understand that the second time. Guys, God's call to you that you may not have heeded or understood or had the maturity to handle may be coming a second time like he did to Jonah. So receive that. Receive what he has. Here's a second point I want to make today from Psalm 62. Don't depend on man. Some of you are trusting a human being way too much. You're trusting a human being way too much. You're trusting a human being for career security. You're trusting a human being for financial security. And there's something that in prayer I felt like the Lord wanted me to say. The Lord wanted me to say, don't wait around for the inheritance anymore. I don't know if that's for one person or many people, but some of you are waiting for an inheritance and you are trusting in a man. You're trusting in a man or a woman and, and essentially you're just waiting for someone to, to pass on because you think you are going to get an inheritance. And whether you do or not, the Lord says, don't wait for that any longer. You need to get on with your life. You need to get on with your development. I had a family member who taught Years and years and years about inheritance they thought they were going to receive. And then when, when this lady died that they had cared for, left them very little, minuscule amount of, of resources. They wasted decades waiting, in a, waiting around for an, an inheritance. Even if you know you're going to get the inheritance, the Lord's saying don't wait for it. The Lord says develop you, develop you. Don't trust in man. Um, some of you have been overlooked by someone in authority over you. Guys, this has happened to me. There, there, was, there was a couple of situations in my life where a supervisor, someone over me, just I felt like didn't appreciate my gifts, didn't understand me, and, and, and really there was no opportunity with that person. But guys, listen, that's okay. Because just because you want favor with somebody doesn't mean God wants you to have favor with somebody. Part of God's favor is favor with the right person. And we're so funny about that. We, we begin to pick who we want favor from. God, I want favor from him. I want favor from her. I want favor from that institute. And God may be shutting a door in your life for a very good reason. Because you're trusting in man, not trusting in God. 
And when you begin to trust in another man or another woman, then you begin to make that person an idol in your life. So this is what the scripture says, verse 9. Men are only a vapor. Exalted men, an illusion. Now that's one of the advantages of aging because you realize that. Whoever's trendy, whoever's popular, whoever's powerful today won't necessarily be that way tomorrow. So we can't trust in 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 an earthly leader, a human leader. Men are only a vapor. That's you and I. And it's also the people we trust. Exalted men and illusion. On a balanced scale, they go up and together they weigh less than a vapor. Place no trust in oppression or false hope in robbery. If wealth increases, pay no attention to it. This is what the Lord's saying to us today. Some of us have lost favor with our boss. Listen to this. I wrote this down very carefully. You have lost favor with your boss, but you have not lost favor with your God. Confidence. The Lord has given you confidence today. The Lord, the Lord has sent me here to tell you that. You have lost favor with your boss, but you have not lost favor with your God. Don't trust in man. Don't trust, don't put your trust in a human being. Trust in the Lord at all times. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31 reminds us, this world in its current form is passing away. This world is passing away. The things that we trust won't always be here, but the God that we serve will always be here. He's unchangeable. There's none like him. Here's the last thing I want to share with you today. Receive from the Lord. Receive from the Lord. Receive what? Receive what? We can receive a lot from the Lord. What am I talking about today? I'm talking about resting in his call. Receive the call of the Lord. Receive the call of the Lord. The call of the Lord are not for the few. It's not for the elite. It's for every believer. God has called you. God has called you. The calling of the Lord is on you. The calling of the Lord is yours. The calling of the Lord is distinct. The calling of the Lord is unique. The calling of the Lord is even customizable. The calling of the Lord is like a DNA. It's like a fingerprint. Like no one can replace you, not because you're great, but because our God is great. He's sovereign. He's designed you for this generation, for this time, with your gifts, your talents, your perspective, your history, because he has a plan for you. So what happens is we receive our salvation, our destiny is in heaven, and all that's taken care of. We, we know I'm not here to make you doubt your salvation, and, G, and, and Satan himself knows that, that your salvation is secure with Christ because of what happened on the cross. So now Satan attacks your potential. He attacks your call. He attacks your, your attitude towards the things of God. Satan's attacking um, your interest. And, and our heart becomes diluted with worldly things. Our attention is diverted so much. Because we forget that we are called people. Guys, we are called people. We're people with God's call. Jesus called you by name. Jesus called you. And Jesus said, I have something for you to do. And today's not about institutional advancement. I'm not going to have you fill out cards, one, worship one, serve one, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I want you to work with kids. I want you to greet. I want you to do all that kinds of stuff. But I really want you to hear the call of God. I want you to hear the call of God where you feel his imprint on your soul that that one belongs to me. And because that one belongs to me and he knows it, she knows it, he or she is putting away worldly things and putting away distractions and putting away things that will dilute my call and is focused on what's happening. 
So I say to you, like Jonah, hear the call a second time. Maybe God is, is, is having me herald his call to you a second time. The call to be a mentor. The call to missions. The call to be, the, to be a kingdom builder in the local church. The call to use your artistic gift for the glory of God. The call to sacrificially give. The call to speak out against injustice. The call to care deeply. Listen to that call. The call came once and our selfishness and sin distracts us. But the Lord calls again by his grace and says, no, I'm not done with you yet. The song that Beth introduced to us today, I was somewhat familiar with the chorus, but I had not heard the verses. I had not really thought about the verses. And as she was leading us in that song, and the Lord was saying prophetically through the song, I'm not done with you yet. And we see Jonah, and we see that the Lord came to him a second time. Look at what verse 11 says in Psalm 62. God has spoken once, and I have heard this twice. The second call, strength belongs to God. Faithful love belongs to you, Lord, for you repay each according to his words. God has spoken once, and I've heard it twice. Isn't that grace? Isn't that grace? You know, if God spoke once, that should be good enough for us, but it usually isn't because of our immaturity. But his grace, he comes. He comes a second time. So we go now to the gospel reading today. Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 14. I love sharing the gospel readings. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We try to share that every Sunday. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the good news of God. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. By the way, this is why we believe in the already not yet kingdom of God. The kingdom of God came with the arrival of Jesus, but it's not yet in full fruition until he comes again. And so the already not yet kingdom of God is an important theological stance we have as a church. I've preached about it a couple of times. You can go find that sermon on, online. And by the way, people ask me all the time, they say, hey, can we put our, church, our, our sermons on podcasts? They are every week. Go to churchofindianlake.com. There's two different ways you can access them. Two different ways, through iTunes or just through a regular browser. So there's big round circles on our website that you can access those sermons. So Jesus said, preaching the good news of the gospel, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in this good news. And as he was passing along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told him, and I will make you fish for people. This is one of those things that remind us that our vocations matter to God. And when God calls us for the vast majority of us, he doesn't call us to leave our vocation. He calls us to sanctify our vocation. So if you're a teacher, if you're a businessman, if you're a homeschool teacher, it's likely that the call of God will enhance who you already are. And so he said, follow me, I'll make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat, mending their nets. Immediately he called them. and They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Man, think about that call. Think about that call. 
The Lord is calling you. He's calling you. What does that mean to you? He's calling you to greater devotion to Him. He's calling you to kingdom purpose. He's calling you to uh, sacrificial life. He's calling you to serve Him when it hurts a little bit. He's calling you to turn down some money so you can turn more people to Jesus Christ. He's calling you to uh, maybe make more money so you can give more money. It's distinct. It's distinct. It's unique. But He's calling you. He's calling you. His call is on your life. And I want to talk, I want to talk more about you. But, but I want to take a moment to talk about some people who are forgotten. Today is our Sanctity of Life Sunday. It's a Sunday that is closest to the Roe versus Wade decision where we remember um, the, the now countless children whose life have been cut short because abortion has been legalized and not just legalized, it's been promoted. And what about their call? Right? What about their call? We as human beings, are we the one to say, to say well, you know, they're not going to be born to uh, a nuclear family and, and they're not going to have money and so they're not going to have access to education so they're not called. No, no, guys, we can't do that. God's the one. He's the giver of life. And he's the one that decides if a life is born. And we should not. We should not take away, take away the children, take away the children because of a of political expediency and, 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 and deception. And as your pastor, I'm just going to ask you this, that if you are a supporter of abortion, even a passive supporter of abortion, would you, would you investigate it thoughtfully? Don't just take the talking points of, of, of popular people that you admire actually look into the biological facts that 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 these embryos they feel pain and they 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 develop and they understand and look into that and would you think critically think critically because God has called you to be a voice with your own way and your own style and this is a Christian biblical issue these days, I hear a lot of people give a sideways argument to it. What they'll say is, well, you know, being pro-life, it means we need, to, we need to make a great life for the kids that are born. And I agree. But that's a weak argument that doesn't take away the fact. It doesn't take away the fact that these are God's children. And they deserve to hear the call. They deserve to hear that call. For those of you, I know many of you have participated in abortion at some way or some point, and the Lord wants you to know you're forgiven, and it's washed clean. It's washed clean. You're forgiven. You don't need to live with that shame. You don't need to live with that. If you, if you, you, you need to understand you're under the grace of God. That's not about that. This is, this is about the way we think critically as Christians. And I prayed, Lord, when do you want me to talk about that? I thought about talking about it earlier in the service, but he said, this is the moment because the Holy Spirit's here. The Holy Spirit's here. And you can take any political position you want and still be pro-life. You understand that? You can vote. You, you, you can take any position. And so, Lord, we just give that to you. Let's just pray about that. Then we'll give that to you. Father, we just pray for the unborn that are vulnerable. And we give this issue to you in Jesus' name. We give this issue to you. And Lord, I declare, Lord, let many, many who have not been born yet hear the call of God. Let them be like Andrew. Let them be like Peter. Let them hear your voice. Let them hear your call. And God, help, Lord, our, our lack of intellectual discipline. Let it not keep us, keep those children from hearing your call.
Lord, we, we thank you and we praise you for that. So, Father, now let's reshift now. I want to pray for you again. I want to pray for you because you know what? You were a baby once. You were a child once. You were in your mother's womb. And God saw you. He had a destiny like he did for Jeremiah. He had a destiny. He has a call. And you're walking in that call. You're walking in that call right now. Let's stand together. Lord, we hear your call again. We hear your call again. Man, can we just hear the call of the Lord right now? Just hear the call of the Lord right now. Oh, you've been given a gift this morning because you're hearing the call of the Lord in a comfortable situation. May we not ever, may we not ever put ourselves in a position where we're, we're at rock bottom and we're at a place of isolation and we're at a place of regret and then now we want to revisit the call of the Lord. The Lord says now, revisit my call. Hear my call a second time in the day of safety. In the day of safety, hear my call again. In the day of safety, hear my call again. In the day of comfort, hear my call again. Hear the call of the Lord. The Lord is stirring you. There is an issue you care about and 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 maybe you've been a little frustrated because this issue that you care about, no one else is as, is as passionate about it as you are. But the Lord's saying that is an indicator that I called you to that issue. Just, you know, if you want to be a leader on an issue, that means no one will be as passionate about that issue as you are because that's what leadership is. You see things first. You go there. You're passionate. You, you give more because you care about it. So there's an issue that, that means something to you, and you've been really frustrated because others don't mirror that passion. The Lord is saying that's part of my call. I've given you, I've given you a, a, a sense of a burden for that, a vision for that, an idea for that because I'm giving you a call for that. That's what part of God God's call is, and part of God's call is this, this sense of uh, dissatisfaction that we've got to correct the wrongs. We've got to uh, allow the presence of Jesus to go and, and, and move into those areas where injustice is happening, where people are being overlooked, where people are being hurt, that you're the one. You are the Lord's instrument. You are the Lord's hands. You are the chosen one. Don't look to another. Don't look to another man. Don't look to another woman. You be the leader. You be the one to step forward. You be the one to initiate the issue. you be the one to be close to the problem. You be the one to think a little deeper, read a little bit more, pray a little bit longer. Don't wait for another to rise up. The Lord's risen you up. You're an Esther to your generation. And because you care about that, the Lord is raising you up for that cause. He's raising that up for that cause. Listen, ministry. Ministry is going to begin to flow out of this place. It's not going to come from the platform. Ministry can't. We cannot change the world from the stage. We can't change the world from the platform. We change the world when God's people say no to the things that distract them and they get passionate about the things God's called them to. We change the the world through the body of Christ. We change the world through all of us. So what is it? Come on, make something great. If it's your family, make your family great. Say no to the extra opportunities at work and say yes to your family. Maybe some of you, maybe you need to say yes to work more because you've been, you've been um, lackadaisical in your job. You've taken your job for granted. God's saying, get after it. Come on, don't, 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 um, don't dismiss what I've already given you. So the Lord's saying lots of different things to lots of different people. And so we're going to receive everything God has for us, everything. I want to invite our prayer partners to join me up here.